trusting all is well, well is all. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Elevated Frequencies reading segment. I am your host, your narrator, Sherry, also known as Shy, also known as Nile Irish. Hopefully you are in a place where you can receive the reading on today. If you were unable to join us last week, please take an opportunity to catch the first chapter along with a few add-ons to read. We will continue reading Akata Witch by Nettie Okafor. And last week we ended with Sunny being introduced. We were able to meet Orlu and Chichi. Let's see who else we may cross paths with. We will be reading chapter two and chapter three. Remember to please follow me on Instagram at elevated underscore frequency, but that's F-H-Z. That way you can stay up to date with everything as far as the Igbo translations and the postings from the reading. Now, without further ado, we will continue reading Akata Witch, Chapter 2. Home. Home will never be the same once you know what you are. Your whole life will change. Nigeria is already full of groups, circles, cultures. We have many ways. You are Yoruba, Hausa, Abibio, Fulani, Ogani, Tiv, Nupe, Kanori, Aijo, Anang, and so on. You add being a leopard person to that, and your group split into a thousand more groups. The world becomes that much more complicated. Travel overseas and it's even more complex. Plus, you are a leopard person living in a world of idiot lambs, so that doesn't help. You are fortunate because being a free agent puts you, though uncomfortably, with the rest of us leopard folk, and comfortably with lambs. Your ignorance will smooth out the edges of your dealings with the world you used to be a part of. This comes from Fast Facts for Free Agents. Chapter two, Chichi. Over the next two weeks, Orlu and Sunny made a habit of walking home together. A friendship was sprouting between them. For Sunny, this was a nice distraction from what she'd seen in the candle. 
But there was another reason for walking home together these days too. That reason's name was Black Hat Otakado. He was a ritual killer and he was on the loose. The local newspapers were constantly running terrifying stories about him with headlines like, Black Hat Otokado claims another victim. Killer kills calm yet again. And fresh ritual killings in Owari. Black Hat's targets were always children. Make sure you and that boy Olu walk home together. Sunny's mother insisted. Her mother had liked Orlu since the day Sunny came home, all bruised up, and Sunny had told her that Orlu had stopped the fight. Almost every day, Chi Chi was there to greet them, and Sunny began to grow used to her. Chi Chi said she spent most of her time helping her mother around their hut. When she wasn't helping, she did what she called traveling, walking to the market, the river, kilometers and kilometers all over the countryside. Sunny wasn't sure if she believed Chichi's story of walking the 55 kilometers all the way to Oweri and back in an afternoon. I got this wrapper from the market there, she said, holding up a colorful cut of cloth. It was indeed very nice. Looks expensive, Sunny said. Yeah, Chichi said, grinning. I kind of stole it. She laughed at the disgust on Sunny's face. Chichi loved bombast and trickery too. She bragged that she sometimes approached strange men and told them how lovely they were, just to see their reactions. If they were too friendly, she scolded them for being nasty and perverted reminding them that she was only 10 or 13 years old, whatever age she felt like using at the time. Then she ran off laughing. Sunny had never met anyone like Chichi, at least not in Nigeria and not in America either. Chichi didn't know where her father was and that was all she would say. But Orlu told Sunny that Chichi's father was a musician who used to be Chichi's mother's best friend. They were never married, he said. When he got famous, he left to pursue his career. Sunny almost spontaneously combusted when he told her it was Yanga Tolotolo. He's my father's favorite musician, Sunny exclaimed. I hear him on the radio all the time. When she confronted Chi Chi about this, Chi Chi merely shrugged. Yeah, so, she said, all I have to show for it are three old CDs of his music and a DVD of his videos that he sent a long time ago. He's never given us any money. The man is useless. After a while, Sunny decided that Chi Chi wasn't so bad. She was certainly more interesting than any of Sunny's ex-friends. One day, Sunny found herself walking home alone. Olu had some place to go right after school. I'll see you tomorrow, was all he said as he hopped the bus. 
If he's not going to tell me where he's going, I won't ask, she thought. Thankfully, Jabaku and company only sneered and snickered at her as she left in the schoolyard. Without Oru to talk to, she kept looking around for Black Hat Otokoro. Then her thoughts moved to even darker territory, to what she'd seen in the candle, the end of the world. Yet another day had passed, bringing it closer. She shivered and walked faster. What's your problem? She turned around to face Chi-Chi, her face already prepared to look annoyed but she was secretly pleased. Why are you so rude? Sunny asked. I speak my mind. That doesn't make me rude, Chi Chi said with a grin, giving Sunny a friendship handshake. Today, she wore a battered green dress and as usual, no shoes. In your case, it does, <laughs> Sunny said laughing. Whatever, Chi Chi drawled. Are you going home? Yeah, I've got some homework. Chi-Chi bit her lower lip and made an arc in the dirt with her toe. So, you and Olu are close friends now? Sunny shrugged. Well, Chi-Chi said, if you're going to be good friends with Olu, then you have to be friends with me too. Sunny frowned. She thought she and Chi-Chi were friends, sort of. Why is that? Because you're, in, you're his in-school friend and I'm his out-of-school friend. Sunny laughed and shook her head. I'm not his girlfriend. Oh, neither am I, we're just friends. Chi-Chi says. Okay, Sunny says frowning. Uh, well, then, well, okay. I don't know much about you yet. Not enough to say we're friends, Chi-Chi said. She cocked her head. But I can say and tell there's more to you. I just know it. What do you mean more? Sunny asked. Chi-Chi smiled mysteriously. People say stuff about people like you, that you're all ghost or a half and half, one fit in this world and one fit in another, she paused, that you can see things. Sunny rolled her eyes. Not this again, she thought. So cliche. Everyone thinks the old, old lady, the hunchback, the crazy man, and the albino have magical evil powers. Whatever, Sunny grumbled. She didn't want to think about the candle. Chi-Chi laughed. You're right, those are silly stereotypes about albinos, but in your case, I think there's something to it. She paused, as if about to say something very important. You know, Olu can take things apart, undo bad things. Sunny frowned. I see him messing around all the time, fixing radios and stuff like that. So, so, it's not what you think, Chi Chi says. 
What's your point, Titi? Well, if you're going to be Olu's friend, you should know the real story. They were standing by the side of the road. A car zoomed by, leaving them in a cloud of red dust. Tell me something secret about yourself, Chichi suddenly said. That will seal our friendship, I think. You tell me something about yourself first, Sonny said, playing along. This was one weird game. Chichi frowned and bit her lip again. Hey, do you have to go home right now? Sunny considered. Her homework could wait a little while. She called her mother on her cell phone and told her she was with Chichi. After a long pause, her mother gave her an hour if Sunny promised to finish her homework as soon as she got home. Come on, Chichi said, taking her hand. Let's go to my house. Chichi's hut looked as if it would melt into the ground come rainy season. The warped walls were made of red mud and the vines, trees, and bushes around it crept in too close. The front entrance was doorless, covered by a simple blue cloth. Sunny's nose was assaulted with the smell of flowers and incense as soon as she entered. She sneezed as she glanced around. The only sources of light were three kerosene lamps, one hanging from the low ceiling and two others on stacks of books. The place was full of books. On a small table in the middle of the room, packed under the bed, stacked against the wall all the way up to the ceiling, the corners of the ceiling were clotted with webs inhabited by large spiders. A wild gecko scurried behind a book stack. She sneezed again and sniffed. Sorry, oh, Chichi said, patting her shoulder. It's a little dusty in here, I guess. Sunny shrugged. It's okay. My room's the same way. Though it wasn't as bad as Chi-Chi's hut, but it was getting there. Sunny had run out of shelf space, so she had started keeping books under the bed. Most were cheap paperbacks her mother had found at the market, but she had been able to bring a few over from the United States, including her two favorites. Virginia Hamilton's Her Stories and The Witches of Rod by Rod Dahl. The books here looked older and thicker and probably weren't novels. Chi-Chi's mother was perched on top of a stack of books reading. She looked up and saw them and used a leaf to hold her place. The first thing Sunny noticed was that Chi-Chi's mother had the longest, thickest, coarsest hair she had ever seen. It was well past her waist. Good afternoon, Neem, Chi-Chi said. This is Sunny. Sunny stood there staring. That's what she calls her mother? Good afternoon, she finally croaked. I'm glad to hear you have a voice, Chi-Chi's mother said, not unkindly. I, uh, I have a voice, Sunny managed. Chi-Chi's mother chuckled. <laughs> Would you like some tea? Sunny hesitated. Where would Chi-Chi's mother warm up the water? Would she have to go outside and make a fire? But it was also rude to act as if there was nowhere to do it. Um, yes, please, she said. Chi-Chi's mother picked up a tea kettle and left the hut. 
Sit on this, Chi Chi said, pointing at a large thick book. We've both read it so many times, we really don't need it anymore. Sunny couldn't see the title on the spine. Okay. Chi Chi sat beside her on the dirt floor and grinned. So, this is where I live, she said. Wow, there's so many books. What about when it rains? Chi Chi laughed hard at this. Don't worry. I've lived here all my life and never seen a book come to harm. They were quiet for a moment. The only sound, the whistle of the tea kettle outside. That was fast, Sunny thought. Must be a fire out back. But she didn't recall seeing any smoke before they went in. So, your mother has read all of these? She asked. Not all, Chi Chi said. But most, I've read a lot of them too. We bring in books and trade back the ones we're sick of. So this is what you do instead of school? Well, yeah, when I'm not traveling about. Sunny fidgeted. It was getting late. Um, what secret are you going to tell me? Before Chi-Chi could answer, her mother came in with tea. Sunny took one of the porcelain cups. Its rim was chipped and the handle was broken off. The other two cups didn't look much better. Thank you, she said politely. She took a sip and smiled. It was Lipton, only slightly sweetened, just the way she liked. You are Ezekiel Wazu's daughter, no? Chi-Chi's mother asked, sitting back down on her book stack. Yes, she said. You know my father? And your mother, she said. And I know of you. I've seen you around. Who doesn't notice her? Chi-Chi said, but she was smiling. So, what are you reading? Sunny asked. This dried up old book? Chi-Chi's mother answered. It's one of the few that I've read many, many times and will never trade back. Why? Sunny asked. Ah, it carries too many secrets yet to be unlocked. Who'd have thought this would be the case with a book written by a white man, eh? What's it called? In the Shadow of the Bush by P. Amory Talbot, 1912. Shadows, bushes, jungles, the dark continent. Sounds so stereotypical, but there's so much in this old thing. The old man who wrote it managed to preserve some important information, unbeknownst to him. Sunny wanted to ask more, but something else was nagging at her. Her father believed that all one needed to succeed in life was an education. He had gone to school for many years to become a barrister and then gone on to be the most successful child in his family. Sonny's mother was an MD and often talked about how excelling in school had opened opportunities to her that girls only two decades before didn't normally get. So Sonny believed in education too. But here was Chi-Chi's mother, 
surrounded by hundreds of books she'd read, living in a decrepit old mud hut with her daughter. They sipped their tea and talked about nothing in particular. After a little while, Chi-Chi's mother got up and said she had to go run some errands. Thanks for the tea, Mrs. Sunny trailed off, embarrassed. She didn't know whether Chi-Chi's mother went by Chi-Chi's father's name or not. She didn't even know Chi-Chi's last name. Call me Miss Nim, Chi-Chi's mother said. Or you can call me Asuko. That's my first name. Sunny realized something once Chi-Chi's mother had left. Your mother's name? She's Ifik? Yup. My father is Iqbal, like you. There was an awkward silence. How long have you known Olu? Sunny finally said. Oh, since we were about four, we... As if the mention of his name summoned him, they heard the gate to Orlu's house crack open. Chi-Chi grinned, got up, and went out. Orlu! she called after a moment. Come here! Chi-Chi had barely sat back down when Orlu pushed the cloth aside and peeked in. Chi-Chi, I just got... Oh, Sunny, he said, frowning at her. You're a surprise. He stepped inside. I guess Chi-Chi has let me into her secret club, she said. Club? He asked, frowning very deeply at Chi-Chi. Want some tea? Chi-Chi asked quickly. Sure, he said, slowly sitting on a stack of books. She went out to the back, leaving Sunny and Orlu to just look at each other. Sunny wanted to break the awkward silence, so she said the first thing that popped into her head. Olu, can you really undo things? Without hesitation, Olu turned to the back door and shouted, Chi-Chi! What? She shouted back. Get in here, he said. What? Sunny asked. Did I say something? Chi-Chi came stomping in. Don't speak to me in that tone, Olu. Uh-uh. Why is your mouth so big? Olu shouted. Can't you? He pressed his lips together. Is your mother still home? No, she said, looking at her feet. Sunny frowned. It was a rare thing for Chi-Chi to not yell back at someone. The three of them were silent. Sunny looked uncomfortably from Olu to Chi-Chi and back to Olu. Olu glared at Chi-Chi and Chi-Chi looked at the ceiling. Then Orlu slapped his knee hard and said, Explain, Chi-Chi, why? No, Sunny screeched. You explain, Orlu. We're supposed to be friends. Tell me, and then you can tell her off. It's none of your... He turned back to Chi-Chi. Are you stupid? Just because you're alone with your thousand and one secrets doesn't mean we all have to be. I chose not to be that. And I know how to keep secrets. We won't lose Sunny as a friend. Trust me, let her in. Chi-Chi said, look at her. So? Her being albino doesn't mean anything. 
It's just her medical condition. Everyone has their own physical quirks. Not in this case. Even my mom thinks so, Chi-Chi retorted. Wait, Sunny yelled loudly enough that they both jumped. Shut up and wait. Tell me what is going on. Orlu and Chi-Chi looked at each other for a long moment. Then Orlu sighed and said, fine. He pulled a piece of white chalk from his pocket. Only this way. He said when Chi-Chi started to process, no other way. We have to be sure. Chi-Chi loudly sucked her teeth and looked away. You should tell her first. If she's such a good friend, you should trust her. Ah, this isn't about trust, he said. As he picked up book after book, he chose one that was bound in leather. On the back, he used the chalk to draw a symbol. Oddly, the chalk drew clearly on the book's smooth leather surface. He muttered something and shaded in the center of the circle. Around the circle and lines, he quickly scribbled a series of symbols that looked like the kind of things Americans would get tattooed on their biceps and ankles. That's pretty good, Chi-Chi said, impressed. Mark it, he grumbled, ignoring her. Chi-Chi pressed her thumb to the shaded circle. When she brought her thumb up, it was coated with white chalk. You do the same thing, Sonny, Orlu said, his voice softening. What is it? she asked. If you want to know anything, you have to do this first. Sunny had never seen Juju perform, but she knew it when she saw it. My mother says this kind of thing is evil, she quietly said. No disrespect, but your mother doesn't know much about Juju, Orlu replied. Trust me. Still, she hesitated. In the end, her curiosity got the better of her, the way it always did, especially after what she had seen in the candle flame. Quickly, before she could think too hard about it, she pressed her thumb to the same place Chi-Chi had pressed hers. Orlu did the same. Then he took out a blade the size of his hand. Chi-Chi hissed. Is this necessary? She asked, irritated. I want it to be strong, he said. You barely know how, Chi-Chi said. He ignored her and touched the knife to his tongue. He winced, but that was it. Carefully, he handed the knife to Chi-Chi. She paused, pursing her lips. Then she did the same and handed the knife to Sunny. Handle it with care, Orlu said. You want me to? There was blood on the knife, thoughts of AIDS, hepatitis, and every other disease she'd learned about in school and from her mother rushed through her head. She barely knew Chi-Chi. Or Ulu, really. Yeah, he said. But once you do it, you can't 
turn back. From what? You won't know unless you do it, Chi-Chi said with a smirk. Sunny couldn't take it anymore. She looked at the knife. She took a deep breath. <sighs> okay. She cut with the part of the blade that was free of blood. And the knife was so sharp. She barely had to touch the thing to her tongue. But goodness, it stung. She wondered if it was coated with some kind of chemical because suddenly everything around her looked funny. I hope you know what you're doing, she heard Chichi tell Olu. We'll see, Olu mumbled. They both looked intently at Sunny. What's, what's happening? She whispered. Nothing was changing, but everything was. The room was as it was, the books, Olu and Chichi, her school bag beside her. Outside, she could hear a car passing by, but everything was different. It was like reality was blossoming open, opening and then opening some more, more of everything, but all was the same. You, you see it? Olu said, his eyes wide. Make it stop. Sonny said. See, Chichi said, I was right. Oh, stop, Olu snapped. You don't know for sure. She could just be sensitive. But Chichi looked very smug. Do you solemnly swear on the people you hold dearest, on the things dearest to you, that you will never speak of what I am about to tell you to anyone on the outside? Orlu asked. Outside of what? Sunny shrieked. She just wanted it to stop. Just swear, he said. She could have, she'd have sworn anything. I swear. Before she could get the second word out of, out of her mouth, it all stopped, settled, grew still, normal. Chichi got up, took the empty cups of tea, and walked out. Sunny looked down at the book. The markings had disappeared. She could still taste blood in her mouth. Okay, so ask, and I'll tell you whatever you want to know, Olu said. A thousand things were flying through Sunny's head. Just tell me. Tell you what? She groaned, exasperated. What do we just do? We gave our word, he said. That was a trust knot. It will prevent you from telling anyone about any of this, not even your family. I couldn't tell you anything if we didn't make one. Chi-Chi would have, she said. Well, I'm glad you didn't ask her. She doesn't do what she's supposed to. We'd have all been in terrible trouble if you let things slip after she told you. Let what slip? Orlu crashed his hands together. Chichi and I, he began, and our parents are... Hi, 
Don't bother telling her like that, Chi-Chi said, coming back in. She was carrying a tray with three fresh cups of tea on it. She's ignorant. Hey, no, I'm not. Plus, she understands things better when you show her, Chi-Chi said. I know her some. Orlu shook his head. No, it's too early. Not really, Chi-Chi said. But tell her about what you can do first. Orlu looked at Sunny, then looked down inside. I can't believe this. He seemed to gather himself together. It's hard to explain, he said. I can undo bad things. Bad juju. It's like an instinct. I didn't have to learn how. Isn't all juju bad? Sunny asked. No, her friends both said. It's like anything else. Some good, some bad, some just is, Chi-Chi said. So you all are witches or something? They laughed. I guess, Olu said. Here in Nigeria, we call ourselves leopard people. Back in the day, there were powerful groups called the Ekpi, Leopard Societies. The name stuck. Sunny couldn't deny what she'd seen. The world had done a weird blossoming thing, and though it had stopped, she still felt it with her. She knew it could happen again. And then what about the candle? Chichi can remember things if she sees them, Orlu said. So her head is full of all sorts of juju. See all these books? Ask her to recite a paragraph from a certain page, and she can. Sunny slowly got up. Are you all right? Olu asked. This is... I don't... Uh, I I think I need to go home. She said she felt ill. Do you have anything this weekend? Chichi quickly asked. Sunny slowly shook her head as she picked up her school bag. Tomorrow, Saturday, Chichi said. Come here in the morning like 9 a.m. Make room for the whole day. To, to do what? Sunny asked, clutching her school bag. She stepped toward the door. Just come, Chi-Chi said. Sunny nodded and got out of there as fast as she could. The next page is Sabidi for welcome. That will be posted on my Instagram. That is the end of chapter two. If you need to take a pause, Go and get some refreshments, some more snacks. Get yourself readjusted, whatever you may need to do in this moment. And then we will continue on to chapter three. I'll show you.
What is Chittim? Chittim is the currency of Lefkik people. Chittim are always made of metal, such as copper, bronze, silver, and gold, and always shaped like curved rods. The most valuable are the large copper ones, which are about the size of an orange and thick as an adult's thumb. The smallest ones are the size of a dove's egg. Least valuable are chitum made of gold. When chitum fall, they never do harm. So one can stand in a rain of chitum and never get hit. There is only one way to earn chitum by gaining knowledge and wisdom. The smarter you become, the better you process knowledge into wisdom. The more chitum will fall, and thus, the richer you will be. As a free agent, don't expect to get rich. Fast facts for free agents. Chapter three, initiative. When Sunny got home, everything seemed normal. She kicked the soccer ball around with her brothers. She easily stole the ball and wove between them with her fast feet. And because they found this annoying, they talked rubbish about how she looked like a white girl. Her mother, who was home early, made spicy red stew with chicken. Her father came home late and ate alone as he read his newspaper. Not once did the world bloom or shift. But goodness, she was tired, exhausted. She tried to read a few pages of Purple Hibiscus, a book she begged her mother to buy. But soon she fell asleep. She slept like the dead. When morning came, she felt better. She lay there thinking about what happened yesterday. Whatever Chichi and Orlud had done to her, she would open her mind to it. She decided, why not? She quickly dressed in jeans, a yellow t-shirt, leather sandals, and her favorite gold necklace. It was the only costly gift her father had ever given her. Be back by four o'clock, her mother said during breakfast. Sunny was surprised that her mother hadn't asked a whole bunch of questions. She quickly got up before her love changed. Where are you going? Her brother Chukwu asked. Out, she said, bye. In one hand, she carried her black umbrella. In the other was her blue purse with a stick of lip gloss, some sunscreen, a washcloth, a mango, her cell phone, and enough money for lunch and a little whatever. Sunny! Chichi yelled when she saw her coming up the street. Chichi was dressed up, at least by Chichi's standards. She wore a green wrapper with yellow circles on it 
and a white t-shirt. She was wearing sandals too. Sunny raised a tentative hand in greeting. Oh, stop, Chi-Chi said. Relax. She linked her arm in Sunny's and they walked toward Oru's house. He stood at the gate. Good morning, she said. Nice shoes, Chi-Chi said, looking at Oru's brand new red Chuck Taylors. My mother's brother is visiting from London, he said. He brought me these. So, where are we going? Sunny asked. Chichi and Olu exchanged a look. You told your parents you'll be back around three? Olu asked her. Four, she said proudly. Well done, Chichi said, grinning. I asked my mother about this. Olu said to Chichi. She was really angry with me for making that trust knot with Sunny. Here we go again, thought Sunny. More things I don't know. More of them not telling me anything. Sunny has to be involved, Chichi said, looking annoyed. I told you what my mother said. Well, Olu said slowly. I asked my parents. She can't set foot in Leopard Knox unless she's fully initiated. Chi-Chi tried to hide a smile. Chi-Chi, you knew this was the rule. I did. <laughs> what better way to make her get initiated? But Orlu tapered off, looking very angry. Sunny had had enough. All right, you guys. Start explaining. Leopard Knox, initiation, what's going on? Olu only shook his head. Chi-Chi took Sunny's arm again. Just come and see for yourself. As if she has a choice now, Olu snapped. As if any of us does now. Olu, I believe she's one of us, Chi-Chi said. My mom does too. Would you want to go through something like this without knowing anything? He asked Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi only shrugged. It's the only way. Sunny groaned. <sighs> Can you please, please quit talking like I'm not right here? Chi-Chi lowered her voice. The worst that can happen is... Is what? Sunny shouted. We can never talk to you again and you can never speak to any of this. You can never speak of any of this. They started walking away without her. For a moment, Sunny just stood there watching them go. Then she collected herself and followed. Where are we going? She asked about several minutes. After several minutes. Just tell me that, if nothing else. To the hut of Anatov, defender of frogs and all things natural, Chichi said. They caught a cab on the main street. Take us to Auraria Market, Olu said, handing the man some Nara, which is money. Orlu waved Sunny off when she tried to offer some money. No, this is on me. 
It was a typical Nigerian cab. The car reeked of dried fish, a goosey seeds, and exhaust. There were big holes in the floor. The three of them got out at the market, but didn't go in. Instead, they crossed the busy street and went in the opposite direction. They walked for a while, passing buildings and avoiding hawkers, selling cashew fruits, suya, phone cards, cell phone accessories, and plantain chips. They turned a corner and walked, turned another corner and walked. Sunny knew the area, but now she felt lost. They stopped at a small path that led into a path of lush bush. A group of older men were just emerging. Some, some of them wore old jeans and shirts. Others wore colorful rappers and t-shirts. Good morning, Olu, Chichi, and Sunny said together. The men looked each of them in the eye and nodded. Good morning, children. Do you know where we are going? One of them asked. Yes, sir, Olu said. No, I mean her, the man said, pointing at Sunny. She felt her face grow warm. She's with us, Chichi said. This seemed to satisfy him, and he moved on with the others. Where are we going? Sunny asked as they walked down the shaded path. The bush seemed to close in around them. Where it had been hot, it is now sweltering. I told you, Chichi said, to see Anatov. Yeah, but who is he? She stopped walking. Chichi, Olu, stop. She hoisted up her purse, her closed umbrella around her arm. What is going on? Where are we going? What is happening? They both looked uncomfortable. Anatov will explain, Sunny, Olu finally said. It's easier that way, Chichi said. Just trust us. But why? Because we're your friends now, Olu said. And we've changed your life. Maybe. Chichi said, then she looked away. Just let Anatov explain. They started walking again. Is he mean? Sunny asked. The path had narrowed and they were walking single file. Sunny laughed. She heard Orlu laugh to himself. Anatov is Anatov, Chichi said, turning around and grinning. Great, Sunny thought. Some friends, not telling me a thing. For all she knew, they could have been accomplices working with Black Hat Otokaru. Anything is possible. Even the worst is possible. The candle showed me so. The worst was more than possible. The worst was inevitable. But she was in too deep now. Her parents didn't know where she was. She didn't even know where she was. She slapped a mosquito on her arm. Sunny heard it before she saw it. At first, it sounded like a bunch of people softly whispering, yet she saw nothing before us. Minutes later, the noise grew to the sound of crashing water. It was a river so angry that its churning waters threw up a white mist.
Never heard of this river, she thought. Stretching across it was a thin, slippery-looking wooden bridge. There were no handrails. How is anyone supposed to cross that? She asked, horrified. You just do it, Orlu said, stepping up to a large rock that sat in front of the bridge. He rubbed its smooth black surface with the palm of his hands. Beyond the mist is the entrance to Leopard Knox. She waited for him to go on. The full name is Gbi Abom Oba. That's Ifik for Leopard Knox, his foot. Chichi explained. Long ago, some Ifik woman created a juju that stopped the leopard from attacking her. It made the leopard stub its foot on something hard, and the pain scared it away. The builders named Leopard Knox his foot after her strong juju. The Ifik people have the strongest juju in the world. In whose opinion? Not the Igbos, Orlu said irritably. Sonny, there are leopard people all over the world from every tribe, race, whatever. None is better than the other. Oh, be realistic, Chichi said, rolling her eyes. But Sunny wasn't really listening. She couldn't take her eyes off that narrow bridge. The wild waters beneath it boiled and churning. Only truth will allow you across, Orlu said. Every time, Chi-Chi added. So you've crossed that, Sunny cried. It's so flimsy. The thing doesn't even look like it's... She stopped talking and just stared at it. Relax, Chi-Chi said, putting her arm around Sunny. We're not going over the bridge right now. We're going that way. She pointed to a small path that ran to the right beside the river. She called Sunny along. I don't like this, Sunny said. You're just not used to it, Orlu said. No, she said, shaking her head. I don't like this. You're both crazy. Chichi giggled. Anatol's hut was much bigger than Chichi's. It was long with a thatch roof. The red walls were decorated with white symbols and caricatures of people. The wooden front doors were waist high and looked as if they swung in and out like the doors of a saloon in American Western. There were they were painted with black and white squares and swooping white letters. One door was labeled in, the other out. She noticed that they entered through the outdoor. Inside, the air was heavy with incense so strong that it made her slightly ill. She waved her hand in front of her face. Through her watery eyes, she saw that the hut's inner walls were also decorated with white chalk artwork. A man sat in a throne-like chair on the far side of the room. When he stood up, 
she gasped. He was the tallest man she had ever seen. Taller than any Maasai or American basketball player. He was light-skinned with short brown bushy dreadlocks and a small gold ring in his left nostril. Sunny was trying to be polite when she stifled her sneeze, but the sneeze was so hard that she blew snot into her hands instead. Great first impression, she thought. Her face and hands were a mess. This girl isn't proper. This girl isn't proper, Anatole told Chi-Chi. He spoke in English and had an American accent. He turned to Olu and looked down his nose at him. Explain. I can barely stand to have so many Ekperi in here. Clutters up the vibe, know what I'm saying? But you bring an improper at that? Y'all don't think. Oga Anatov, this is Sunny Wazu, Chichi quickly said. We're sorry. Are you busy? Suddenly, Anatole strode over to Sunny, who was still holding her face. He frowned at her. What's wrong with you? He asked, switching to Igbo. I, I need, I need a tissue. He pulled a handkerchief from his pocket and thrust it at her. To her further embarrassment, he watched intently as she wiped the snot from her hands and face and blew her nose. Yellow, he said when she was finally done. On all levels, she's yellow. I know I'm yellow, she snapped. I'm albino. Haven't you ever seen an quiet Anatole said, sit down or I'll throw you out and make your life more miserable than it is. You have no idea what you've gotten yourself into. Sunny, sit, Chi-Chi hissed. Fine, she said sitting. Good, Anatole said. He walked a circle around her. Okay, he mumbled. He reached in his pocket and brought out a handful of white powder and started sifting it from his hand as he circled her again. This time, he moved slowly. When he'd completed the powder circle, he brought out a knife. It had a handle with red jewels. The blade was shiny and very sharp looking. Sunny glanced at Orlu, who gave a small smile of encouragement. All she could think about was Black Hat. Anatov was too close for her to make a run for the door. Excuse me, she stammered. What are you? You'll remember this for a long time, Anatov said with a chuckle. She leaned away from him, her hand up as a shield as he raised the sharp, shiny knife. She braced herself, but no blow came. He seemed to be drawing in the air, a soft red symbol, a circle with a cross in the center, floated above her head like smoke. Slowly, 
it descended on her. Hold your breath, Chi-Chi said, just as it touched her upturned face. But before she could, she was pulled down, yanked like a rag doll, first through the hut's dirt floor and then into sweet-smelling earth. As she was pulled downward, Sunny's mouth filled with earth. She couldn't scream. The earth was pushing its way down her throat, pulling up her eyelids, scratching her eyeballs, grating her clothes away, and pressing at her skin. It got worse. Her skin went from cold to hot and then cold again, as if she were pressing through various living and dead parts of the earth. Finally, she stopped descending and started moving slowly up. All was dark. She was glad. She didn't want to see where she was. Her entire body screamed with pain. How was she still alive? How was she still breathing? As she ascended, she heard a mulching, low, wet grumble. It grew louder. Suddenly, she burst into water. It had to be that terrible river. It was cold and turbulent, threatening to rip her apart, but she was moving too fast, dragged up through whipping river debris and bubbles and underwater noise and currents. Then, just as suddenly as she was taken, splat, she was back in the hut. She inhaled incense-tinged air. She sneezed, but at least now she could breathe. She tasted gritty mud on her breath and it coated her lips, throat, and nostrils. Several small but heavy things were dropping around her. They hit each other with a metallic ching, 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 ching. No, step back, she heard Anatov say. He whispered a phrase and then she felt something rough wrap itself around her body. Who'd have thought, she heard Chi-Chi whisper. Sunny decided to open her eyes. Her face felt tight and tingly. When she looked around, everything was deep, colorful, and almost too alive, like when they'd made the trust knot. What, what happened? She mumbled and froze. Her voice was deep and throaty, like some sultry, glamorous woman who smoked too many cigarettes. When she got up, her movements felt effortless, amazing, full of poise and grace. She stood up, her shoulders back, and her head held straight and high. When she touched her face, it was with gently held arms and softly curved hands and lightly parted fingers like a ballet dancer. Look at her, she heard Olu sigh. I've never seen that kind before. Oh, and how many kinds have you seen? She heard Chichi snap. Why don't you have some decency and turn away? When Sunny looked at them, she saw that Chi-Chi, who was looking away, had pink sparks jumping off of her. And Orlu was dripping with almost invisible blue water. 
She didn't look at Anatov. Okay, she whispered. Enough. Can this stop now? She felt whatever was holding her up shrink into her, like it was a genie and she was the bottle. She staggered and sat down heavily on the floor. When she looked down, she was wearing some kind of dress made of light brown raffia. She touched her neck and was relieved to find that at least her gold necklace was still with her. Her sandals were still on her feet too. You passed, I knew it, Chi Chi said, throwing her arms around Sunny and pulling her up. I knew I was right. My clothes, at least her voice was normal again. Where? Forget your clothes, Chi Chi said. You passed. Anatov came toward them. A wicker chair following of its own volatility, like a faithful dog. He sat down. Olu, Anatov said. Put the chitum in her purse. She stared as Orlu took her purse and scooped the handfuls of fist-sized horseshoe-shaped copper rods into it. Rare, Anatov said, still looking at her. Just as it's rare for a pure Igbo girl to have skin and hair the color of washed-out paper, so it is for one to be a free agent. Neither of your parents, I assume? What? She asked. Are leopard people? I I guess not, she said. Not that I know of. If you don't know, then they aren't. No mysterious aunts, uncles, grandparents? Well, she said. Her, her throat was sore and she wanted to get the taste of dirt out of her mouth. My... <clears throat> my grandmother on my mother's side was a little strange, I think. Maybe she was mentally ill. My mother won't talk about her much. Ah, he said. And let me guess, she's passed on? She nodded. Some years ago. She looked like you? No. Do you know her name? Her true name, the name before she was married? She shook her head. Hmm, he said. In any case, you're what we call a free agent leopard person. You are in a leopard spirit line, somehow. It's not a blood thing. Leopard ability doesn't travel in the physical, though blood is familiar with spirit. It may have been through your grandfather or she may have just been crazy. Well, it may have been to your grandmother, or she may have just been crazy, who knows? It's known to happen once in a while, but rarely. Most leopard people are like your friends here, born to two sorcerer parents, strong ancestor connections. They are the most powerful, usually. Those born to one parent can't do much of anything unless they have an especially expensive juju knife or something like that, or if they come from an especially adept mother. It travels strongest from woman to child. Since she's the one who has 
the closest spiritual bond with the developing fetus. And to tell you what just happened, you've been initiated. He paused. Do you use computers? She blinked at the odd question, then she nodded. Of course you do, he said. Imagine that you are a computer that came with programs and applications already installed. In order to use them, they have to be activated. You have to, in a sense, wake them up. That's what initiation is. You were probably ready for initiation around when these two were two years ago. You have anything odd happen to you recently? Sonny's mouth went dry. What happened? He asked more intently. It was a relief to tell him about what she had seen in the candle flame. But when she finished, she didn't like the look on Anatol's face. Are you sure this is what you saw? He asked quietly. She nodded. Hmm, that's interesting. Why don't you start from the beginning, Olga? Orlo said. All you are doing is confusing her. That's your job, Anatov said, annoyed. Teach her the rules, too. I expect you all back here in four nights, 12 midnight, sharp. What? Sonny said. I can't. You're now a leopard girl, Anatole said, getting up. Find a way. Business completed, he turned to Orlu and grinned. Guess who arrived today? Orlu groaned. Already? Come on. Your mother didn't remind you? Anatole said with a laugh. She, his mother Keisha, and I have been talking about it for a week. Maybe your mother wanted to surprise you. I hate surprises, Olu mumbled. Chichi laughed. If not for Sunny, we wouldn't have come today. <laughs> Things have a way of working themselves out, Anatole said. It's as I taught you. The world is bigger and more important than you. Orlu grunted. So, Chichi asked, looking around. Where is he? Who? Sunny asked, rubbing her forehead. She had a headache. Sasha! Anatole called. A voice responded from somewhere outside. Anatole sucked his teeth, irritated. What are you doing? Get over here. He said in his American accent in English. Sasha? Chichi whispered to Sunny and Igbo. What kind of name is that for a boy? Sunny was tired and confused, but she couldn't help but giggle. It was a girly name. Still, the boy who entered the hut wasn't girly at all. What took you so long? Anatole asked sternly in English. I was taking a nap, Saucer said, blinking and rubbing his eyes. He too spoke with a strong American accent.
Still got jet lag, man. He wiped his face with his hand. Sasha, meet Olu, Sunny, and Chichi. Anatole said formally. Hey, Sasha said coolly, thrusting his hand in his pockets. Sup? Everything about him said America. His baggy jeans, his white t-shirt with a logo on the chest, and his super white Nike sneakers. He was tall and lanky like Sonny, and he had tightly cornrowed hair that extended into long braids that went past his neck, and a gold nose ring like Anatov's. Good afternoon, the three friends said together in English. His eyes fell on Sonny. Sasha's from Chicago, Anatov said. He's been sent here to cool down. In the meantime, he'll also be taught by and going through Bakwa with me. Did you just get here? Chichi asked. Yeah, three days ago, Sasha said. My first time on a plane. Can't wait till I pass the B. The boo. So I'll never have to use a goddamn plane again. What makes you so sure you'll pass the boo? Chichi asked. Watch me, he said. Chichi seemed to like his response. How do you like it here? He shrugged and smiled. That's cool. He laughed at himself. <laughs> no, it's hot. Damn hot. But it's cool. I dig leopard knocks. Wish we had a community central space like that in Chicago. Most of us are in what I consider hiding. Oh, we hide here too, Chichi said. But we get by. Olu, Sasha's things are already on their way to your parents. You're all free to go, he said, shooing them out. I've got things to do. I'll see y'all in four nights. He paused and looked at Sunny, then he smirked. And take care of her. We will, Olu said. Of course, Chichi added. Before Sunny knew it, Anatov had pushed him out through the end door. What's wrong with that guy? She went to lean against a nearby tree, feeling nauseous, tired, and irritable. Not a good combination. And why does he have those in and out signs if no one uses them? To him, his hut is outside the average rubbish-filled world, Orlu said looking back. Only with reluctance does he leave. Here, Sasha said, reaching into his pocket and bringing out what looked like a fresh chewing stick. Gnaw on this for a while. You'll feel better. It was Minty. She did feel better. Thanks, she said. Yeah. Sasha said, man, I wish I didn't have known. I've never seen Ekperi initiation on a free agent. I was half asleep outside when I heard your return. Splat, he laughed. It was loud like that? Yup, Sasha said, like a load of rotten entrails dropping on the floor. How come I'm dry now? That's the way it works. Chichi looked at Orlu as if waiting for him to say something. When he didn't, she turned to Sasha and asked, Are you ready to go? Sasha cocked his head. 
Why doesn't he ask me? He said, looking at Olu. He's the one I'll be living with. Because I don't speak to dangerous people, Olu grumbled in Igbo. Yo, what's your problem? Olu turned to Sasha. I know about you, he said in English, scolding at Sasha. My parents told me everything. Why would I want to live with someone like you? Olu, Chichi said. Sunny leaned back against the tree, chewing the mint stick. Olu scoffed. Why don't you tell them why you're here? Give them some details. Sasha thrust his hands deeper into his pockets. You self-righteous African, he mumbled. Troublemaking black American, Olu spat. Akara criminal. Hey, Sonny said. As if I don't know what that means, Sasha said, looking mildly annoyed. As if I care, Olu said. Both of you, shut up, Chichi said. Ugh, this won't do. Sasha, what's your story? Just tell us. Why should I? Sasha said. Because we asked. Sunny said quietly, sitting down at the foot of the tree. Sasha paused, then sighed. So you know, she continued. I was born in the States too. I came back with my parents when I was nine. That's only three years ago. She paused and looked meaningfully at Orlo. I may not talk about it much, but most days I feel very much like an Akada. Orlo looked at his feet, obviously ashamed. Serves him right for, for being so thoughtless, Sunny thought. Sasha seemed a little calmer. Fine, okay, like it matters, but all right. He ran his hands over his cornrows. I got into one too many fights at school. My parents were stupid enough to move into a neighborhood that was not only all white, but all lambs. Lambs, she asked. Folks with no juju, he said. There wasn't a sorcerer, healer, or seer for miles and miles. Anyway, so yeah, because of all that, and because I don't take crap from nobody, I got into a lot of fights and, he quickly added, maybe I worked some stuff on some kids who were giving me problems. Orlu laughed scornfully. He set a masquerade on three boys in his class. What? Chichi exclaimed. And they talk smack about my parents and were harassing my sisters. Sasha shouted. You can do that? Chichi asked impressed. That's the view level juju. Who cares what level, Olu said. He's Ekpuri like we are. Man, there are books and I read them, Sasha said. Plus, it was only a minor masquerade. So, Olu cried, there are rules. And two of those boys are mentally messed up because of what you did. I heard my father on the phone talking to your father just after it happened. Oh well, Sasha said with a shrug. Shouldn't have disrespected my parents or touched my sisters. Sasha hasn't mentioned 
that he also switched the minds of two police officers. Ordu added, Man, they were harassing me and my friends, Sasha said. They were pushing around this girl I know, and they were just, they were using the power they were given. Y'all don't know what it's like for a black man in the U.S., and y'all certainly don't know Chicago cops on the south side. Here, everyone's black, so you don't have... Oh, don't give me that, Oru said. You rationalized everything. That's why your parents sent you here. Enough, Sonny said. How are you two supposed to live together? Sasha, turn over a new leaf or something. It'll be easier if you and Oru try and be friends. Sasha and Oru looked at each other and then away. You'll feel better if you walk around some, Chichi said, helping Sunny up. Let's take her to Leopard Knox. What? Sunny said, nearly sinking down again. Relax, Chichi said. You'll be fine. Oru chuckled. I checked it out yesterday, Sasha said, brightening up. My parents will love that place. Chi-Chi smiled. Let's go then. While we get lunch, we can explain more things to Sunny. Sunny tried to stand up straight and stumbled to the side. No way, I'm not crossing that. Here, Chi-Chi quickly said, pushing it into her hands. Take your purse. Ah, Sunny exclaimed. It's heavy, oh. You've got at least a hundred chitim in there, I'd say. Maybe more, Oru said. What's chitim? she asked. Currency, Oru said. You earn it when you learn something. The bigger the knowledge, the more chitim. I didn't receive half as many chitim when I went through Ekpuri. Ekpuri is level one, Chichi explained. She turned to Oru. And that's because you always knew what you were. Sunny's a free agent. She didn't know anything. Even Sunny couldn't argue with that. That is the end of chapter three. Ah, so there you go, guys. Chapters two and three. Sunny has been initiated. And many of us are at that phase in our lives where we are activating certain gifts or embracing our full beings so we're coming out of our comfort zones it's some of us are physically feeling sick because we are just expanding ourselves and we're opening ourselves to all these possibilities of what can be and what we are and it's a beautiful thing when you allow it to be you got to just surrender to it and I think that's the biggest message Sunny is learning. I have to just surrender. So now we have met Sasha. We met Anatov, who is the sorcerer. Sasha is the sorcerer's nephew or brother, I guess. And yeah, let's see who else we learn or who else we're introduced to, what else we can learn there's a bunch of secret societies and stuff like that. Don't be naive to think that these things aren't real. They want us to think that it's just fantasy and entertainment. But it comes up too often to just be a coincidence. So might be a sign to just see where did the baton fall and who 
failed to pick it up because it might just be on you. Join us next week where we will continue to read A Cotta Witch. We'll read chapters four and five. We're going to learn what masquerades are because obviously Sasha did masquerades on people, so we'll learn what that is. And yeah, until next time, stay true, stay you. Namaste.